Hi, I'm Ubehei. Hi, I'm Samira. And we are the, the Black Edo. Today's episode is going to be focused on family, but specifically the toxicity of Somali like family households. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just going to go through some expectations, the different type of households, and then with that we're going to talk about some disagreements between families and um, some boundaries, a little thing we call daddy issues, <laughs> and how, like, with our families, how sometimes things can happen with our mental, physical health as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to be talking most, we're going to be talking exclusively about the Somali community. Um, we just want to preface this in the very beginning because um, we don't want any angry comments. Don't get our words we twisted. Don't, want, like, don't get it twisted. But yeah, we're going to be talking primarily about the Somali community. Um, even more specifically, we're going to be talking about the experiences of first-generation Somali, like, Americans. Specifically um, Somali-American women, because let's be honest, yeah. we deal with more shit. Well, we're going to, yeah, we're going to be talking about, like, the differences in treatment based off of gender. Um, and, of course, Samira and I are both women, so we're going to be talking exclusively from the female perspective. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, with that, we can just hop right into this. Nice. Yeah. So, the first thing that we wanted to just get out there are the expectations that we have on Somali girls. Um, These can include a number of things. So, Mm -hmm. one, right off the bat, Somali girls are treated differently than their male male counterparts. As a girl, you're told to um, stay in line, be polite, be pleasant. Um, be orderly, be like in that um, famous quote, you're to be seen and not to be heard. Mm-hmm. Any number of variations on that, you're, you're taught to be, you're taught to minimize yourself in the presence of men. Yeah, um, specifically, it's even kind of worse if you're the eldest daughter because, no, because it's a very stressful situation. So, like, mm-hmm. You are expected to be, and I've been called this many times, and I know a lot of other women have been called many times to be the second mother, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, your siblings and your parents and your grandparents all come before you do. And, like, you have to be obedient. You're the good child. And being a good child means you're quiet, you're, you're smart, yet, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these expectations that are put on you that you're successful. You will always come last in your life because other people need you. They need you. They need your attention mm-hmm. so they can be successful as well. Yeah, and that usually always comes down to like what at least in our cases our moms mm-hmm. were, our parents were grinding out. Yeah. Trying to provide for our family and even though I'm not the oldest um, in my family, my sister Hamdi is like she's I like she when my mom wasn't there when my dad wasn't there she had that expectation she provided mm-hmm. and she she had that responsibility put on her and it's just it's just such a double standard yeah I think and um, of course like these these expectations of Somali girls can be translated into and seen in other and like um, re- like reciprocated in other communities as well but like Again, this is our experience, so this is what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, there have been many of times where, like, we've personally butt heads mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. Um, and I, in our cases, we grew up in matriarchal households. households yeah. 
and our moms were pretty much the sole provider. Yeah, the head of household, sole providers, breadwinners, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, that just that, and I believe in a lot of ways shapes your identity. It really does, yeah. And who you turn out to be mm. when you're older. Yeah, because I have realized there's always been a pattern, like not only with me and Ubehe, but with everyone else that had this very similar upbringing, is the fact that we are considered to be blunt. We're considered to be aggressive. When we want things, we, we want it our way. Like, we are very ambitious and very, like, not in a good way because we are so control freaks that we stress ourselves out because we had all these expectations. Oh, you got to be the best. You got to be. It's like a very competitive, like, way of thinking. Yeah. And that's kind of how been raised. But with the whole patriar- like, patriarchal, bleh, patriarchy, whatever. I don't care. That's <laughs> the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With those kind of households, I've noticed the girls are usually more subdued. They're usually quiet. Or even yet, which is kind of wild, they're sneakier. Like, they sneakily off do things they know their parents don't allow. And I just think literally how your parents raise you is kind of applies back to you. Yeah, it's like the messages that you get, yeah. right? If you grow up with a strong woman mm-hmm. as your, like, as an example. Yeah. Like, your mom is the one who is providing for the family. Mm-hmm. Your mom is the one who goes out and gets a higher education. Your mom is the one who's doing all of the things that you respect and admire and yeah. appreciate. Then naturally that kind of instills in you the idea that you so you are also capable of Specifically as a woman, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a woman. And I think um, in some ways, even despite like growing up in a broader culture that teaches you to suppress yourself mm-hmm. and minimize yourself. Oh, yeah. Having that, like, being essentially an anomaly mm-hmm. in that community. Oh, yeah. You kind of, it, like, teaches you to <laughs> hold your head up higher. Yeah. And to speak more clearly. Yeah. But it also kind of low-key backfires because I remember a time where literally with, like, at my mom's dress store, you know, I would just go and help out. And, like, all these customers expect to talk in a, in a way and you being okay with it mm-hmm. and the moment they hear you say in Somalia like pretty much like fuck off like I don't care about your son I don't care about you like don't try to like marry me off like <laughs> they get all shocked and try to tell your parents oh your daughter's dis- disrespectful and luckily you have that kind of woman who's so like no you're just being a creep and honestly I think it's more important to sell these kind of behaviors and like boundaries to other people yeah like you're I think in our like in our cases because of like our having our moms as examples of like strength. Yeah, we don't take shit we from don't. anybody. <laughs> no. And I think, and I think even despite that, like there were still we still had to deal with the gendered, um, oh yeah. stereotypes, definitely and the expectations at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, like I said before, like we butt heads with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like being a young child and being confused every single time. I, like, when we would have, like, say, have guests mm-hmm. in the household, um, oh, mostly God. people who weren't, like, fam- family members, um, like, either distant, very distant relatives or family friends or mm-hmm. whatnot, kind of having to, like, lurk in the shadows and, mm-hmm. like, be told to, like, not come out of your room or be expected to be of service to yes. people. Bring them um, the shah. Which, yeah, which, <laughs> make the shah. Make the shah. You know, like, we're not saying it's okay to, like, be rude or anything like that, but... Just knowing from, like, we, from our experiences, it was us it was who a, yeah. were expected to do that while our brothers could just, like, chill. stay, like, just chill downstairs and play video games and, like, come up and take up space and whatever, like, you know? Mm-hmm. 
that expectation wasn't really put onto them. And, like, as we got older, of course, that evolved, yeah. right? Instead of, like, those smaller occurrences, it was more like when you go out in public, oh, like, don't wear too much makeup. Don't wear this kind of clothing. Yeah. Don't raise your voice. I feel like, especially when you're in, like, a Somali, like, market or Somali pl- places yeah. with a lot of Somalis and you're with your family. Which like, is you, our city. <laughs> yeah, like, you're told how to act. Yeah. And to essentially put on a face a that facade. isn't you mm-hmm. just so that you can play the role that you are meant to be in that society. And it's kind of messed up because you, on one hand, you want to disobey and, like, do what you want to do. But it's something you realize low-key goes back to your parents because then those mm-hmm. people will judge your parents and you don't want to hurt your parents in any way. Like, you don't want to cause them any more shame. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of hard. It's like, do I do what I want and risk of embarrassing my family in a way? Or do I just do what they say but risk my own mental health and my own, like, individuality, you know? Yeah, it's a double-edged sword. It's either you subscribe to a narrative that doesn't fit you at your core, um, or you hurt your family. And it's like, (laughs) it's hard. It's It's hard. hard. And I think with most of us, um, we'll touch on this a little bit later, but this is just one of the things that, to a degree, you Mm -hmm. just learn to accept or to just take it as what it is. Yeah. And keep pushing. Keep pushing, yeah. Because no matter what you do, like, it's it's an almost impossible task to think that one person can change. Yeah. And only that, yes. sometimes they might even disagree with your lifestyle. Like, mm-hmm. let's say you don't want to get married early or you want to do some traveling or, yeah, I want to marry someone. They, they, they're Muslim, but doesn't really have to be Somali. Like, all these little things also come up where mm-hmm. you just want to live your best life, and sometimes your parents just don't want that. Like, like for me, for me to live in the apartment is a surprise on its own. Like, I had to fight and, like, argue and kind of sacrifice a lot of my free time in high school to get to a stage where my mom trusts me, even though I have done nothing wrong, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get my own space. And I feel like with a lot of girls have asked me, how did you convince your parents to, like, let you move on campus, like, by yourself? Like, uh, like how are they okay with that? And honestly, no matter what I tell them, it's not going to work because every Somali family household is different. And depending whether you have a mom as the head of household or a dad as the head, mm-hmm. head of household, that can very vastly differ whether or not they allow you to do that. Yeah, and I know, like, there are a couple, like, I know people in my personal life who have a family where it's, like, an extra, an equal mixture. Yeah. So they know what it's like to have a strong mom, and they know what it's like to have a father who's a prominent figure in their lives. Um, very rare to see, I feel like. Yeah, I, I don't know about rare. But not like, rare, but, like, not people. For the most part, it's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, in our cases, it's very solely heavy. one. Yeah. But... Yeah, I just think, like, what you were saying about marriage, um, this by no means is a reflection of my family directly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Because, like I said, like, my mom, we're not even going to get into that, but I know that for just the broader community. Yeah, very um, broad, yeah. And there's just, there's this idea of not wanting to be are not accepting women being older and unmarried. Oh, yeah. Like, if you think about it, tw- like, 
most people get married or are like it starts at like 19 yep which is how old I am and up to like 26 like those are considered the prime years yeah. the years to get married mm-hmm. like that's when you're the most beautiful that's when you're you're, you're most the most fertile. this or the no, most no. that and like anything and like women who are like slightly outside of that bracket like women in their later 20s or early 30s or whatnot you're just looked at sideways yeah you are you're judged yeah and this all goes back to the idea of success yeah and how like in one of our previous episodes we were talking about how like one of the most prominent industries Somali women are pushed in is the medical industry um be it any branch um, most specifically, it's nursing. Yeah. But any track in the medical field would would suffice. But it was pushed even more. Yeah, and it's and it's just like even if you go to school and educate yourself and make yourself a worldly person, mm-hmm. and like go on to ex- achieve great things in life, you're not considered truly successful mm-hmm. unless you are married, and with children yep like it's so disappointing very is because i know in my case like marriage is not even in my brain Mm -hmm. like in this economy (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) like we're i'm trying to graduate college to pay my i'm trying to pay off my loans i'm trying to see the world i'm trying to build a business i'm trying to build build a life yeah I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to build a life that is meaningful to me. And it's just so disappointing to know that none of that will will ever mean as much to anyone as me marrying and having a child. Yeah, I feel like we're talking more about marriage probably in another episode, but this is a little snippet of how we feel about it and how the community feels about it. Mm -hmm. And with Bunny Heads is where we kind of want to talk a little bit about boundaries because... Some things just, like, some things you're not allowed and allowed to do. But at the same time, you as the child, as the individual, I think it's really important to communicate Mm -hmm. and talk about these things with your parents. Yeah. But that also is a whole other beast. Yeah. Because (laughs) (laughs) if, like, there's the, uh, there's the the actual physical barrier of communication when mm-hmm. it comes to language. Yeah. Because a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up in the West, English is our dominant language. And with our parents is some of us aren't fortunate to have ones who are bilingual like we are. So Somali is their primary means of communication. Yeah. So it's even hard to get the f- to find the right wording. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but even if you're able to like get past that there's comprehension and actual true understanding of what it is that you want to get from yeah. setting those boundaries. I, yeah. Because it's just not a thing. Yeah, because ideology, like, like philosophy speaking, like, philosophically speaking, is, like, the whole concept of, like, boundaries with your kids and, you know, both agreeing to those terms is a very Western thing. Because, mm-hmm. like, back in Somalia, like, they didn't have that kind of concept. You do what you're told. And that was pretty much how you grew up in. So for, for us, as, like, being from the U.S., wherever you are, like, from a Western country, bringing all these weird ideologies to your family, plus the language, like, kind of barriers, kind of, like, hard to explain what you're trying to say, and them, like, 
they're almost offended by it. They're like, mm-hmm. how dare you like question my authority? Even though that's not what our, our intention is, no matter how much we try to communicate that, it's not our intention to disrespect for you, mm-hmm. to like disrespect you. The fact they say, hear us talk about something they didn't agree with is usually kind of says that whole, not pr- kind of prideful thing, but kind of like, I'm the adult here. No matter mm-hmm. how old. Also for like our non-Somali <laughs> listeners out there, like, I don't care if you're 18, you're not adult to your parents' eyes until you get married. Very low-key. So, like, he'll say, oh, you're 21. Like, why are you still listening to your parents? Listen here. <laughs> we want to keep our families as long as possible. We want to keep those relationships and connections. We're not allowed to just disappear and yeah. never come back. Bro, I don't want that evil eye. I don't want that genome. I don't need that on me. <laughs> and, like, I know there are so many of us who don't want to burn those bridges, but um, to tie back to into what you were saying the idea of setting boundaries is so foreign to us as Somalis because of, like, Somalia in and of itself, Somalis mm-hmm. are a very collectivist and community-based um, group. Society, like, yeah. We function as a whole. Mm-hmm. We move as a whole. And so to bring in your individualistic Western ideologies, it's just naturally going to conflict. Yeah. And I think, like... In those circumstances, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that, depending on you and your situation, some things you're just going to have to make peace with, yeah. as it being how it will always be. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, one of the ways that we've done that is, like, by, like, creating a physical distance. Mm-hmm. Like, in our, like, we moved out for yeah. college, and even though we only live 20 minutes away from our parents' house... It still it still gives you that space yeah. and that boundary, even if it's something that you have to create yourself. Yeah, because I learned early on, if you don't create any of those either mental, social, physical boundaries, you're gonna have a lot of resentment, and that resentment is not good at mm-hmm. all. Like, you you start to like Loki hate your parents. You're just like I hate this. Like, you just feel such like darkness among you because. You're not given enough space to just breathe. Specifically as Somali women who, since we're, we had to mature younger, we had to grow up faster because we had to learn all these skills of like cooking, taking care of our siblings, cleaning the house. Like It was never about us. So giving us those moments of us time really helps yeah. to refresh us mm-hmm. and come back with new arguments or new conversation starters to help you know, fix that relationship. Yeah, and it's, it's healthy to take a break. Yeah. It's healthy to create space. Because constantly being in an environment that, like, we say toxic, but it's toxic for everybody. It's oh, yeah. not one-sided. We're not sitting here and saying that we're the victims or that we're no. the ones constantly being berated by um, all of the negativity. So we certainly put it out at some point, too, because yeah. of all of those internalized feeling is a resentment that you get. Yeah, and then we take it on our parents. And you're fighting, and, like, constantly fighting, constantly bickering, constantly, like, clashing heads. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy for anybody. Yeah, and it also really does affect your sibling, your younger siblings as well, because they watch you, and, like, and then that's, they they think, oh, that's how I should treat my parents as well, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. So I think really healthy communication is what really starts this, like, lifetime of a good relationship with your parent. And it's really hard but sometimes, some things you just have to take an L. But other things, 
you don't really have to take it up. I think some things are worth fighting for and others you just have to let go until you both mature and realize their side as well because sometimes yeah. it's really hard for us to think about what they've gone through to give us a good life. And only for us to fight back the good life they give us, I can kind of see their point of why they act the way they do sometimes. And I know that we're saying it's okay to take an L on certain things or it's okay to, um, you know, like, just accept things for what they are. Um, But I, like, those things truly take time. They do. They take time to for your parents to finally understand what it is that you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. It takes time for you to understand where they're coming from. And, like, we're still young, you know? We're still in the... in the the burrows of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, That even is the right word for that. I don't know. Which is hard. Yeah. (laughs) But what we're trying to say is, like, some things you just have to put a pause on. Mm -hmm. And... Work on the things that you can change, yeah, and what you can't right at that moment. Mm-hmm. The time, inshallah, will come for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what we have to say on that part. Mm-hmm. And there's also a special topic that we're gonna talk about before we talk about kind of like the effects parenting has on Somali children in general. But you know, there's always been that joke within like. It's not really a joke, but that concept was usually black and brown families about how, like, the, the two types of, like, fathers in your life, whether it's, like, oh, the super overprotective, overstrict one, or the low-key bum that's never around or, like, disappears, you know what I mean? There's, like, always those kind of dads, and I feel like we talk about how much our mothers affect our lives, but we mm-hmm. also have to realize our father has a lot of effect, has a major effect on us, specifically how we view relationships, because... Specifically for women, the way you see your dad treats your mom and vice versa is how low-key you kind of subconsciously pick up on Mm -hmm. and bring with your relationships. Like, for me, like, again, with the whole my mother being the main head of household, I low-key never cared for marriage. I'm just like, why get married to an individual who won't put the same effort as I would? Because that's that's what I saw before in my childhood. Why would I marry someone who will let me, like, struggle this much? won't help me the way I thought a partner should help, you know. And it's not it's not the case for every parent, but there's a lot of patterns I've noticed in the small community with a lot of parents, and that's what I've been seeing lately. It's just like, you see all this disappointment, and it's like, y'all want me to marry before I'm 30, but here I am barely finding a suitable crush at the good age of 21, you know what I mean? It's just like, we have to also... Not only hold accountability for our mothers, but also hold accountability for our fathers, and also have that communication of like, just I don't know what else to say. I'm just like, fathers really have a big influence on the kids' lives, and you don't realize how much yeah. until later on in life you see their, you see your own children acting the way you did, feeling disgusted, mm-hmm. but too late to take it back. Yeah, and your father is supposed to be the first man that you love. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So naturally, if you have a either a non-existent or a bad relationship with your father, then that is going to skew the way that you see men as a whole, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to relationships. Yeah, definitely. Especially when it comes to intimacy. Yeah. You will have problems. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are probably saying, 
we're Muslims. What, what intimacy are you talking about? And here's what I mean by intimacy. It's not really about sex or anything that, about that. It's not about that. It's yeah. more about, like, emotionally able to express your emotions and for and not worrying about how they're going to react to your emotions. Yeah. Being vulnerable. Yeah. Being open. Um, being committed. Opening, opening healthy lines of communication. Yeah. For people who come from broken families... Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you were lacking, whatever the case is, if like for, in our case it was our dads, but if you had an experience like that, then you will carry that with you yeah. into your future relationships. Definitely. And I don't think that that's talked about enough. I think it really is not. When you see people struggling to, it's not even not even find love. It's sustain it. It's, yeah. Most of them end up falling back into the same patterns as the family, and mm-hmm. the cycle just repeats itself. So it's either two things that happen. A, that individual will repeat the same mistakes their parents made to their new relationship mm-hmm. and their kids, and vice versa, just the cycle continues. Or B, they, they don't get it. into, they don't even get to a relationship. Or yeah. they choose someone that you might not, as a parent, accept. And like, why would you marry like a non-Muslim or non-Somalia and all this stuff? And you just, you're, that's what's just going to happen. It's just like, they either don't marry or r- marry someone that you might not be comfortable with, or they be com- marry someone you're comfortable with, but they are, themselves are not happy and that they're just in that mental strain. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very complicated yeah. and complex. It's very, because people are different. Yeah, and there's a lot of nuances between each and every person's experience, but just in the long run, what we're saying is don't take your childhood and what you experienced so lightly mm-hmm. and take the time to reflect and to see those patterns of trauma yeah. and recognize whether or not you're recreating them into your life now as an adult. Yeah. Because sometimes you don't even know what you're carrying until it comes out. It comes and you're, out. Mm-hmm. And you and the people around you don't know how to handle it. Yep. And and we can say that because yeah. we, we've done stuff where we're like, oh, LOL, I sound like my mother, goddamn. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you have also good enough friends and a good enough support system, like, they'll let you know, like, how you're acting. And you can always reflect back to, oh, I never found it strange because that's how I grew up with, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think with that, we can also talk about how the way we grew up in smaller households affect us psychologically. I've, re- like recently like learned like the research and stuff how like anxiety and depression is like increasing specifically Mm -hmm. with Somali women specifically Somali married women with children they're the highest levels of stress highest level anxiety depression like all of these health issues you know what I mean you're also very self-critical a lot of self-blaming mostly if you're like the older child who feels like you failed your siblings because you couldn't provide them the best of situations Mm -hmm. and not only only that you are low-key very insecure you're like if you don't get that much kind of freedom to be able to be individual, you feel like everything you do is not enough. Mm-hmm. And there was like there was an Instagram video that I saw not too long ago about a Somali mom who mm-hmm. committed suicide. Yeah. And like just the community reaction that I saw to that video was like I was surprised by how many people were surprised. Yeah. When when you look at just the general expectations of Somali mothers. Yeah. 
you're you have to you have, you take everything on, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. You you never voice your emotions. No, you don't. You're always expected to show up and be there for everybody else but, but you. yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's like, of course, something like this would happen. And even though it was inevitable yeah. that something like this would mm-hmm. happen, because for so long. We have just had these expectations of women, and nobody stopped to think, oh, wait, isn't this inhumane? Yeah. Isn't this unrealistic? Yeah. Should we do something to change this? Oh, nothing bad's happened yet? Oh, let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. Yeah. And it's like, everybody is just shook and at a loss for words, and I'm like... Oh, yeah. uh-huh. um, to the one that's gone but to everybody else who saw that was surprised by it and just kept going maybe take a step back and realize that your own mom could be doing going through the same thing mm-hmm. you don't know you don't know go check on your mama go yeah do please that. do and <laughs> if you are a mom seek out the help that you need yes please take, do practice self care Take get to Abdi or Farah or Mahmoud to get up and take care of his damn kids. He ain't babysitting them. That's his children. <laughs> and take care of yourself. Because yeah. if you're no good for yourself, what good are you for other people? Yeah. And honestly, like, people are also shook because, like, oh, you know, suicide's haram and stuff. I mean, I get that, but sometimes your emotions overpower anything reasonable or logical, you know what I mean? And I know Somali families. Like, literally, I just took a stress and trauma class last semester and how the most stressed, literally showing symptoms of PTSD are married women with children. Like, not only do they have to have stable jobs in today's society, mm-hmm. but they also have to take care of the children and do the house chores. Like, honestly, like, I feel like before you even marry anyone or, like, cause trying to consider God and family, think about the person you're choosing to marry. Like, if they're, like, helping take care of their siblings or, like, generally being helpful, then you know in your mind, like, okay, if he's going to take care of his family this way, I can trust he'll be an equal partnership to help in our family. Yeah. But I also, like, think most people don't know what someone or who someone truly is mm-hmm. until they marry them. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it's easy to say, like, oh, you should have seen this coming. You should have known that this might happen. You should have known that this person wouldn't have be there for you the way that they would but even in the event that that happens I think at that point what you need to do is get out get out yeah get out of a bad marriage get out like forget people's expectations mm-hmm. forget the shame whatever yeah forget all of those things get out and tend to yourself and your needs mm-hmm. and yeah I don't even know how this got how do, I don't know even know how our conversation got from talking about like general expectations of Somali girls to, like, <laughs> coaching Somali women through divorces. <laughs> In the end of the day, as your parents' children, as we're getting to the age of young adulthood, you know, some things are difficult to change, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, open communication, setting boundaries, and overall kind of, you know, compromising, you will be able to figure out a way to have a good relationship without your, with your parents without kind of sacrificing your own needs. And inshallah, I hope we all get to that stage. And when we have kids, we learn from our, like, from, learn from our past and help their future. 
Yeah, and I think with that, we're gonna end. We can wrap up this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And just to like reiterate some a major point that I wanted to just get across, like that idea that nothing will be perfect, and that any relationship worth having is not going to come easy. Mm-hmm. And um, and I know that each and every one of us has a unique relationship with our parents, but just taking the time to really look into that relationship and kind of pick out the pros and the cons, but also looking to see how you can make it so that it will be better for not only yourself, because it's not just about you, it's also about the what's best for your family. Yeah. Um, and if it means creating physical boundaries, if it means creating, um, like, having a conversation mm-hmm. and making changes to your relationship if that is possible, because I know that's not the case for most people, um, then I would highly suggest going that route. Yeah. But whatever the case is, um, I think everyone is worthy of love and respect and just all-around goodness. And, yeah, just remembering that your parents, at the end of the day, do and should love you. Mm -hmm. And if your relationship with them is not a loving or compassionate one, it's okay to leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, we can just give you a little preview of what next week's episode is going to be about. Ooh. Um, we're going to be carrying around, carrying along the theme of um, toxicity, but this time we're going to be talking about friends Ooh. and environments and just Peers. things yeah. that just come together mm-hmm. to... Make your life a living hell. Yeah, we're going to focus more on the social <laughs> aspect of toxicity. So Yeah, and we're going to give you some piping hot tea about toxic friends that we have had in the past. Not only um, what we had, but a lot of scenarios that happen mm-hmm. in occurring. And mostly yeah. with social media and also included with our generation of friendships. You know what I mean? That also yeah. has a lot to involve. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's going to be some advice given, some gems dropped. And all around, we're going to be just talking about... Calling people out. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We're just kidding about that. Maybe. 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 Who knows? You'll have to wait and find out. Yeah. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.